Tonight we are going to be finishing up kind of our study in the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. So if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20 with me. Acts chapter 20. Now, let's think about what we've gone through so far. We looked at the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see the power of the Holy Spirit come and the birth of the Holy Spirit, the birth of of the church, the the early church, uh, comes into play and and we see uh, it just explode in Acts chapter 2, at the end of Acts chapter 2, and then 3, and then all the way the the gospel starts to spread. And and we we even started at the beginning of, uh, of our study and, and I said, and I, I kind of posed the question: What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of our existence on this life? In this life, it, through through the book of Acts, it, it really shares with us that purpose, and that is to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's our purpose, and we see that. Uh, throughout the book of Acts. And tonight we're going to see the farewell message of Paul as he, as he uh, says goodbye to the church of Ephesus. As he takes the leadership aside and shares his heart and his life with them and, and his passion. And he gives a message that is powerful tonight and I hope that you're blessed by it. So if you would, Would you pray with me as we begin tonight? Heavenly Father, we we ask that you would come and that you would uh, speak to our hearts. You would go into those living rooms, in those cars, in those places, those workplaces maybe that this is being heard at. And I pray that um, that you would be present right there in the midst of them, Lord, that you would... uh, Speak to their hearts through, through this message uh, of Paul the Apostle as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. As he's, as he's journeying back from his third missionary journey and shares some very powerful things with the elders in Ephesus, I pray tonight that we would be encouraged, we would be challenged, and we would be moved to action in our Christian life because of this time spent in your word tonight. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Farewells are hard, aren't they? Saying goodbye is never easy in this life. I don't care how hard it is, whether it's saying goodbye to a child as they go off to college, uh, or or saying goodbye to a, a close friend as they move out of town. Someone once said, the two hardest things to say in life are hello for the first time and goodbye for the last. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this about farewells, great is the art of beginning and greater is the art of ending. Ending a chapter in a life, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight in this section of scripture, an ending. 
an ending to a relationship, an ending to a moment in Paul's life where he's having to say goodbye and then never see them again, a farewell, saying goodbye. I remember that in my own life, one of the hardest moments, but the most fulfilling moment, one of the most fulfilling moments in my life was the moment that I had to say goodbye to the people that I had uh, pastored for seven years. You see, when I had to hand off that church, the, the church that God used me to plant in Chihuahua, Mexico, that day that I, I announced to them that I was leaving was probably one of the hardest days of my life, yet the most fulfilling you see, because I, I, had, I had given my life to that church, I had given everything that I, I was, everything that I knew, everything that, that I could do to cultivate the leadership and to, to uh, cause them to grow, to cultivate them, to, to see them grow up in the, in, in the Lord. They were my spiritual children, so to speak. And, and I know what Paul feel, felt like when he must have left those churches that he planted all along the way. And we get to see one tonight as we look at this. Such a difficult day. I remember crying as I, as I drove out of the city of Chihuahua. Knowing that I wasn't going to pastor there anymore with tears rolling down my face, saying, Lord, oh, it's so hard, so hard to pass the baton and give it away. Yet, it's been the greatest thing that I did because that church is now being led by native leadership and is flourishing. Something maybe I would have never been able to do Yet God called me out and to come home. And in June of 2014, I came home to, to uh, Colorado Springs. Well, tonight, we're going to look at Paul's farewell in Acts chapter 20. Paul is going to review his past and we're going to start in verse 17, and he reviews his past from verse 18 through 21, and then Paul goes to, uh, is going to testify to the present in verses 22 through 27, and then lastly, Paul will give us a warning of the future in verses 28 through 38. So let's begin with verse 17 in Acts chapter 20 as we begin tonight. Verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to uh, Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem. We know this because of verse 16. Paul is trying to get to Jerusalem before the day of Pentecost. Paul is just finishing up his third missionary journey. He's gone through and he's, he's visited a lot of the churches that he had already planted, yet he had gone out further. 
and, and, and reached out farther to, to reach people that had, had not heard the gospel up until this point. And now Paul is on his way back and he's coming through Ephesus and he passes through Ephesus, but he goes a little bit south of Ephesus to the city of Miletus. Now, I believe that Paul didn't stop in Ephesus because he knew if he did, he would have to stay for a while. He would have to stay there and visit with the people and spend time with them and, and, and invest in them and maybe even deal with some hardships that are going on. And so he decides to go to Miletus and, and there he calls the elders to come in and visit him there so he doesn't have to be delayed on his journey back to Jerusalem. This will be the last time Paul will see them face to face. We could call this Paul's departing message to the elders there in Ephesus. Now, we need to remember that Paul had spent three years in Ephesus planting, cultivating, investing in these people, maturing that body in the word of God. He gave them his life. He raised up leaders to do the work of the ministry, and Paul had poured out his heart and his life into these people, into this church. Three years of teaching and living among them. And in this section of scripture, Paul shares a pointed message with them. In the book of Acts, Luke records eight messages given by the Apostle Paul. This message is the only one addressed to the church. All the other messages are Paul the evangelist sharing the gospel to to either the Jews or to the Gentiles, to, to unbelievers. And here, in this account, we see Paul, the pastor, shepherding his flock, shepherding his leaders. And as we look at his departing words to the church of Ephesus tonight, we're also going to see some incredible attributes of a mature disciple. We're going to see a number of attributes of what a mature disciple should be as we see them in Paul's life. So let's look, look with me in verse Verse 18, as we review his past. Verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I also lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The first mark of a mature disciple that I see in this section is found in verse 18, and that is an open life, an open life. He says, you've watched me. 
You've seen me. You've seen my life. You've seen how I lived among you. Three years Paul lived among them and taught them and gave him his life. And they not only heard him, but they also observed his life and his character. They watched his life lived out, open. One of the marks of a mature disciple is one that is open for people to observe. And I encourage you, as, as you walk with Jesus, that you would open your life up, that you would allow people to see not only your flaws, but also the, the godly character that's in you that they saw in Paul. It's been said that most people would rather see a sermon lived than to hear a sermon preached. Isn't that true? An open life. I wish that you could see uh, our lives as pastors here, that you could live among us. Hopefully you get to see uh, and get to know us over the years as we walk with you in, in relationship, whether it's inside the church or outside the church. And I hope that what you see is godly character that you can model your life after. That was Paul. Anybody in public ministry knows that your life is an open book, so to speak. You go to a restaurant or, or the grocery store and, and you're bound to run into someone that knows you from the church. They see you and they, they, they watch you. They know, oh, that, that's so-and-so from, from that's, that's one of the pastors over at Rocky Mountain. And, and, and they watch you and, and they observe your life. Public ministry is somewhat of a life in a fishbowl. That was Paul's life being watched in, in Ephesus. Paul was with them in Ephesus for three years as, as, he, as he taught them, as, he, as they studied his life, and as they sat under his teachings. Look at verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to him by the plotting of the Jews. The second mark of a mature disciple is humility. Humility is an attribute that one must become. Humility is not something taught, but it's something you become as you understand it. Humility was something that Paul lived out you see, fame, popularity, and favor can get the best of God's anointed people. I've seen many people over the years, pastors, leaders, begin to be used by God, begin to be anointed by God to do great things, and then in that reality, they begin to, they begin to become puffed up and become prideful or become start to fall into the idea of, of favor or, or popularity and, and, and then pride comes and they fall. That's what happened to King Saul, right? 
David comes in. David comes on the scene and says, hey, who's this Philistine, Goliath, who thinks he's something? Don't we believe that God is bigger than this guy? And David comes in and, and through faith, he takes out the, the, the uh, David takes out Goliath and, and destroys Goliath and cuts his head off. And he begins to walk around with his trophy as, as David walks, uh, walks, walks the, the city. People see David in, in Goliath's head. And they begin to sing songs, the song about David. Saul has, has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Oh, and Saul begins to not like this. He, he's, he's troubled because of the fame that David begins to gain. You see, Saul wanted the limelight. Saul wanted to be on the front, on the front. He wanted to be the one that was noticed. He wanted to, to have the fame. He wanted the, no one to take his popularity from him. And that's what was happening in Saul's life and got the best of him. And what did Saul do? He decided, well, you know what? If I can't beat David, I'll kill David. And as king, he started to pursue David. And at the beginning, Saul, Saul loved God. He was walking with the Lord. And now... He's far from him. Oh, church, if we could walk in humility and live a life in humility. John, uh, 3 John, verse 9, talks about a man who had this same problem. And it says this in verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. A man, Diotrephes, loved to have the preeminence, loved to have the focus, loved to have the, that, that focus on himself, the preeminence. The opposite of pride is humility. And an example of that is Barnabas. Barnabas is a great example of this attribute. You know why? Because Barnabas was an old, old guy. And he took Paul under his wing. He was, Paul was, was sort of his protege. And, and, and he took him under his wing and, would, and he went to uh, Antioch. And Barnabas would have been the leader, would have been the pastor, would have been the one that was, was known among the people, but, but Paul was a good preacher. And, and as Paul preached, Barnabas be, became less and less known and he moved to the background as Paul took the lead. And you can see this in scripture where it says, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, and then eventually it says 
Paul and Barnabas. Paul is now the lead and Barnabas is now the supporter in, in, in the duo. And I think this is a very beautiful picture of, of humility for us to see. Let's move on. Third mark that I see of a mature disciple is hardships. Look at verse 19 again. It says, with many tears and trials, Paul says. If you're going to be worth your salt in serving the Lord, you must face difficulties, church. Hardships. Hardships aren't easy, but they're good. It's what hones us. It's what, it's what sharpens us. It's what shapes us in life. It's what God uses as sandpaper to, to knock off the, the rough edges in us. That character that needs to be refined. A pastor that goes through no hardships or, or Christians that go through no hardships are, are Christians that are rough around the edges. And I would say that God would want us to be smoothed, smoothed off. Now notice what, where the hardships come from here. It says they come from the plotting of the Jews. It comes from people. Often our, our hardships come from the people we are trying to love and serve the most. It's a bummer that people are fickle, isn't it? You know, one minute they can love us, people, and then the next minute they can hate us. Remember the triumphal entry of Jesus? Jesus is coming in and he's being, he's being celebrated and, and glorified as the Messiah. He's, he's on the, the donkey and he's riding into, into Jerusalem. And he's riding on this donkey and people are hailing him. You are the Messiah. You're the one that we've waited for. Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and it's such a beautiful picture. Yet six days later, the same crowd that was saying, Oh, Hosanna, the Messiah is here, is screaming out, Crucify him, crucify him. And want him killed. People are fickle. A pastor once said, Pastoring would be easy if it wasn't for the people. You see, sheep, they bite. And Paul is saying, hey guys, hardships are coming and they come from inside the church and outside the church. So endure hardships. Endure hardships. The fourth mark found in these verses is balance. Balance. Paul had balance in his life. Look at verse 20. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a balance here. Look at 
Look what it says. It says, but proclaimed it to you, meaning I preached it to you, and then I taught you, I taught you as well. So Paul preached, but he taught. He, he showed them the way through his words and through his actions. You know, preaching is really needed. Preaching needs to come, and it needs to come with conviction. But sometimes, sometimes we need to be taught. Sometimes we need to be cared for by showing us the way, by walking with us and, and showing us through words that we share. He also says, I did it publicly. He preached publicly. He showed his life publicly, but he also went in house to house. And he was in, in, a, in a house, in a private setting as well, where homes were, were uh, there for people to, to sit and enjoy a meal together and, and to share life candidly. And that was Paul balanced a public life as well as a private life with those that he loved. He also testified to the Jews, to the religious, to those that may would, maybe would have had a, a, a foundation in the word. And then he also shared it with the Greeks, those that had no idea about the gospel. And then also... He shared repentance toward God as well as faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Balanced. Paul had a balanced life, a balanced approach to ministry. And I think it's another mark that we need in our own ministries. Now Paul gives testimony of the present. Look at verse 22. We move into the present and it says, and see now... I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that, were ha- that, that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Another mark of a mature disciple is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. As believers, we should be We should always be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing. You know those moments in in your life where where the Spirit is nudging you? And and if we're listening, we'll understand what He is desiring to do. Yet if we're not listening, we'll miss it. Paul was discerning that even though the road ahead might be filled with tribulations, that he felt determined by the Spirit to go anyway. Now that's, that's determination. That's commitment to the Lord. Did you know the Holy Spirit is always trying to speak to us? The question is, are we listening? Look at verse 24. But now... But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I received from the, from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is determined and surrendered. Two more great attributes 
that we can apply to our own lives, determined and surrendered. What a great perspective to have as a believer that this life is not our own. Paul had this perspective. My life is not my own. It's not mine to keep. It's not mine to have. It's not mine to live. It is God's to do what he wants with. He was surrendered. I shared this last week. To live is Christ and to die is gain. When you see, when you, when you step into the, the Christian life, you relinquish all control. It is you giving up your rights to, to God himself and handing those rights over to the Lord and saying, have your way with me. I remember praying, I remember thinking this, Lord, you know I love Colorado. You know I love being out in the mountains and, and, and out in the nature. This is where I want to live. Yet, he sent me seven, for, for seven years to the desert of Mexico, to Chihuahua City, Mexico, and I was there for seven years. And, and, and I have to tell you, Chihuahua's pretty ugly. It's not a pretty place. It's the desert. Yet, it's beautiful when you're in the will of God. It's beautiful. It also says, so that I may finish the race with joy. Joy, as I said last week, joy is choosing contentment in the midst of our circumstances. Choosing contentment in the midst of our circumstances. Paul is choosing to be content as he looks ahead to the chains that might await him in Jerusalem. But that did not stop him from doing what he was called to do. It's not how we start the race, church. It's not how we start the race, it's how we finish the race. No one com commends the runner for how he starts. Oh, you had such a great start. No. It, it's how you finish. It's how you come across the finish line. Did you come across the finish line? How did you finish? How are you running tonight, church? How are you running your race? Or maybe a better question is, are you running the race? Or did someone come in and, and cut you off in the midst of you running? Galatians 5, 7 says this, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Are you out there tonight and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I, someone came in and cut me off and, and they've derailed me from walking the truth that I should be walking. If that's true, you need to get back on your feet. You need to get back on, in, in the race and you need to start running again. 
You need to deal with the person that knocked you, knocked you out. And then you need to get back on, on, on track. Verse 25, it says, And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. This is Paul's goodbye. Last time they'll ever see him, the the elders uh, of the church of, of Ephesus, last time they will ever see him, they will hear from him again by, by letters sent to the church, but, but this will be the last time they see him. And he's saying, guys, I've given you everything. I've given you my all. I've given you all of me. I've given you everything that I know, everything that I am, and, and, and I've not held back anything You know my life. You've seen my life. This is me and this is everything that I know. He declared to them the complete word of truth and grace. And it's now time for him to leave. In these next verses, Paul warns of the future. He warns of the future. We've seen he's talked about his past. We've seen the present that he's speaking of right now. But now he's going to warn the church, the the church of Ephesus, of the future. Look at verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. He says, take heed. Take heed or be watchful. Be watchful of the flock of God. The next mark of a mature disciple is one that is watchful. God called the prophet Ezekiel to be a watchman. In fact, Ezekiel 3 verse 17 says this, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Paul's warning the church. He's saying, be watchmen. Be watchmen on the wall. Be vigilant. Be alert. You see, the watchmen that would, would watch, uh, the watchmen, that would, they would sit up on the wall and they would, they would look and they would be aware of any, any sort of activity that would be coming in from afar. And if they would see the enemy coming their way or they would see the enemy starting to creep in and start starting to to spy in, they would sound the alarm, letting everyone know that the enemy is close. 
And the same should be true of us. We should sound the alarm when we see sin starting to creep in into someone's life. We should sound the alarm and be vigilant and be watching so that no one takes out the young or the weak or those that are new in the, in the Lord. To guard and to protect as overseers. Be watchful of the church. Parents, if you're listening tonight, fathers and mothers, let me encourage you, be watchful of your children. Be a good shepherd of their hearts and of their minds. Don't allow them to be uh, slipping into the things of this world without you knowing. Be looking and be, be watchful. Be ready to sound the alarm and say, hey, you're going the wrong direction. Take time to sit with them. Your son, your daughter. Ask questions. Be in their life. Care. Care enough to, to, to love them like that. Sound the alarm in their life. Be vigilant to know what they're watching, to know what they're doing, to know what they're, what they're looking at or who they're texting on their phones. Be vigilant. Guard and protect them. And the next is, it says, is to shepherd. To shepherd the church. To tend and to care for them. This is a, a beautiful picture of a shepherd taking sheep and, and, and making sure that they're in a place that is safe. Making sure that where they're going to grow, where they're going to feed from, is not going to, uh, is not going to allow for the enemy to come and take them out. To look for, to look for the weak ones and protect them. To teach them to hear God's voice. Such a good mark that we should have as mature disciples is to teach them to hear the voice of the Lord. Because he says, when remember that, that this came with a cost. The church came with a cost, and that was the blood of Christ. That's, what cha that's what's challenged in, these ver in verse 28. This reminds me of another section of Scripture. If you would, turn over in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I think it's a parallel passage to uh, some of what we're talking about in this tonight. And I, I wanted to look at it for just a few minutes. Look at verse two. It says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, 
not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Hmm. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. First, the shepherd, shepherd the flock that is among you. God has given you a flock to shepherd. If, if you're a disciple of Christ, you're either following someone or someone's following you. Look around. It might be your children. It might be your, your spouse. But someone is, is in your care. Someone is there for you to tend and to, to care for. Look around. God has placed someone in your life And as you do it, don't do it by force, but do it by love. That's what what he's challenging here. Not, not Not by compulsion, but lovingly. And then he says, not to get something in return, but to give with a pure heart. And not to lord it over someone, but to be the example. To protect and to lead. Let's look on in verse 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. That's the word humility back again in this from, from earlier. For God resisted, resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8 in First Peter chapter 5. Be sober. Be vigilant meaning be watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by the brotherhood in the world. Be sober-minded, be vigilant, because there's an enemy that's trying to destroy. Which brings us back to my next point. Go back to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 20 in verse 29. And it says this, for I know this, that after my departure, talking about Paul, as he leaves this church, he says, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves, from inside the church, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Wolves will come in and try to destroy They will come in from inside the church and they will come in from outside the church, but they will come to destroy. So be vigilant and be watchful. Wolves love 
to circle their prey. If you ever study wolves, they love to to watch their prey and, and pace back and forth or to go around and circle them looking for that weak moment where they can attack. They want to take out their prey. Wolves will come in from inside the church. They will rise up. How will we know who they are? Wolves will come in from outside. How will we know who, wh- wh- which one is a wolf and which one's not? If they're inside and outside the church, the way you will know is by knowing the word of God. And when they say something and they, they teach something and they share something that's contradictory to the word of God, the truth, you stand up for the truth and you call them out for who they are. You see, in order to fight them off, we must know the word. We must know it inside and out. We must be in the word. We must be studying the word and, 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 and desiring to be in it. How well do you know the word tonight? How well do you know God's word? If you're sitting out there and you, you're saying, well, I don't really know it much, let me encourage you. All you gotta do is take it and open it up. All you gotta do is spend time in it. And if your excuse is, I just don't understand it, I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit will help you. He is your helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper, and he will help you understand every word that's in here. You know, I used to read it too, thinking, gosh, this is so hard to understand. When I was younger, but look at what God's done. He's using me to teach other people, and that could be you. So begin by just saying, Lord, teach me. When you open the word of God in the morning or at night, when you, when you open it up, pray and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Be my helper to understand the word. You see, part of the problem is, is we don't want to put the work in to understand it. Church. We don't want to take the time to invest in trying to understand the word of God. We, we sometimes we approach opening the Bible and say, Lord, help me to understand. And then we try, we, we just open it up and begin and we go, oh, I don't understand. We're, we're not willing to struggle into, into push through and to persevere in it so that the spirit of God may speak to our hearts. Church, we gotta put the time in to investing in that. Let's look on in verse 31. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. You see the the passion of Paul's heart here. He said, guys, I want you to watch and, and I want you to remember what I shared with tears coming down my face the reality of the gospel and the truth of this 
the gospel and the truth of God's word, don't let it get don't let it go astray and don't let someone come in and knock you down. Don't let a wolf come in and, and destroy what I've I've given you with tears. Watch and remember what I taught you. We need to be guards of God's word. We need to be watching for the enemy's attack. In fact, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. I love that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5 says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Be watchful. Let's continue in verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says, guys, church, leaders in in Ephesus, I'm leaving you. But guess what? I'm going to commend you. I'm going to place you in the hands of God. I'm going to place you in God's hands and I'm going to allow you I'm going to allow God to take care of you from this day forward. Oh, that's the best place to be, church, is in the hands of God. Sometimes it's hard to say goodbye. Sometimes it's hard to have a farewell. But this farewell of Paul is saying, "Church, don't worry." God's got you. And I'm placing you in the best place you could be, and that is in the hands of God. Amen? Verse 33, And I have, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my, nece- my necessities and for those who were with me I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. My last mark as a mature disciple is a cheerful giver. You see, Paul wasn't out to gain. Paul wasn't about getting. Paul wasn't about like, you know what, I'm going to preach this really good gospel tonight, yet, you know what, you guys better take care of me. You better better have some, some, uh, some money for me when I'm done. No, Paul never did that. In fact, he always was giving it away. He said, let's, let's love the, the poor. Let's love the weak. 
There are a few words in here that I, I want to point out uh, in these verses, and that is Paul says, I, I showed you by working hard and by helping the weak. Paul lived this out. It was his lifestyle. And I hope that, that I could be that example too. I wouldn't say that I'm all of these things. I hope that I would be. But as I look at my own life, I'm far from a lot of these things. I need to grow in being a cheerful giver and giving things away and giving my life away. And I think that's something we can grow in as a body of believers. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. And sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more as they accompanied him to the ship. What a powerful moment here. Paul finishes his message and the leaders gather around him and they hug and they kiss him as they commission him off to do the very thing that they were going to continue in, and that is the call of God. You see, Paul might, might go to Jerusalem. Well, he does go to Jerusalem, and he, he is then bound. He's in chains, and then he journeys from there all the way to Rome, and he's put in prison. Read the rest of Acts, and you'll, you'll get the picture of what Paul walked through. But this moment, he didn't know what his future would hold, yet he was true to the calling that God had placed on his life, and he walked it out. And these men, these elders in the church, they came around him, they laid hands on on him, and in this bittersweet moment, they commissioned him into the work that God had called him to do, And that is to to be in chains and to be in tribulation and to be in trials for the name of Jesus Christ. As he continued in what he was being called to. Paul presses on. As I end tonight, I want to share these verses comes from Philippians chapter 3, and this is near the end of his life. He's now in Rome, he's in prison, and he is waiting his, his final verdict, and it says this in, a, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, kind of knowing what had happened in this bittersweet moment with these men, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on 
He presses on that I may lay a hold of what of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? I press toward the goal for the prize of of the upward call, the call, the call of God in Christ Jesus. The call. You see, Paul was willing to do whatever it took for the call. Church, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to abandon life and things and family for the call, for the purpose of Christ in in the world, knowing Christ, advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth? Are you willing to give your life in that way? The call. Let me challenge you with this as as we pray and we end. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for church leaders. It's for every disciple of Christ. God has a call for you. God has a call for you to step into, just like Paul. You see, nothing was going to stop him from accomplishing the call that he was called to. Do you still have, do you have that same determination tonight? We've seen some incredible attributes of a disciple, a mature disciple, lived out through the life of Paul. An open life, a life of humility, a life of hardships, a life of balance and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, a life determined a life surrendered, a life watchful for the enemy, and a life of giving. That's the challenge for us tonight, to live out. The only way we can live this out, church, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way we can do it. So tonight, as we pray and we end, would you surrender your your will to God? Would you surrender your life to him and trust him? Would you pray with me? Father, we we just ask in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm standing here including myself, Lord, Lord, we have, we're so far from, from this sort of Christian life. Lord, we want to be an open book to people, but Lord, so many times we're closed because of the hurts and the pains in life. I pray that we would break through those hurts. 
Lord, help us to walk with humility. Lord, help us to endure hardships, endure the afflictions that may come because of the call that you've called us to, because of the cost of Christ, the, the, the call of Christ. Lord, help us to be balanced and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Also, help us to be listening to the Spirit of God and what he wants us to do today, tomorrow, into to the, the future of our lives, Lord. Help us to be determined to, to never be, be cut off by some, somebody or something from the purpose uh, or the goal of our life. Lord, help us to be surrendered to your will. And Lord, help us to be watchful. Help us to be good watchmen on the wall that we would, be, we would know when the enemy is coming in that we may help another from being deterred and tempted and, and fall into sin. Lord, make us givers. Make us men and women that give according to your will and your desires, Lord. Help us to be cheerful givers, Lord, that, that understand and see what you want to do. Lord, as we looked at Paul's farewell message tonight, Lord, may we become more like him as we pursue you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.